Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 442 on Tuesday, the 7th of December, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we're seeing how the government is losing money with one hand, yet offering it to others with the other. It gets dicey in Germany. And we look at a panda rescue service in Cumbria. But first, we have a bit of joyous and happy follow-up for a change. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about changes at Morgan, and we just happened to comment as we were going along, oh, I wonder what that means for future Morgan vehicles, because they'll be electrified. And then we sort of speculated a few things and said, well, they're a company that can do exciting things, Alan reminded me. Mm. And it looks like they were listening to us. Well, no, they probably weren't listening to us, but let's let's live in that dream world. And they have actually teased some sketches and possible ideas where they've been uh, working on future directions and ideas for the three-wheeler in particular. Mm -hmm. Now, they do state that this isn't exactly how it's going to look or anything, but throughout it all, there will be elements that are plucked from some of the ideas that have gone on there. So there is a link to a Morgan article where they discuss all this, and you can get to see a, a video as well about um, some early design sketches. And this makes me very happy. It's very cool. <laughs> yes. It's very cool. I love this seeing is... sketches as well. I, lo I love where someone's clearly drawn with pen, pencil, and then there's been the colouring in as well and all that. I, I Colour-washed, I think. Is yes, colour-washed. Sorry, yes, that's the... Yes. See, in architecture, they didn't really do that. They just put little <laughs> sticky trees in. Yes. In architecture, yeah. No, no, this... Left-hand drive golfs everywhere. <laughs> Used to irritate me. <laughs> it's awesome. It's really, really cool. Interesting. It's... Yeah, just good good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Do have a... Uh, click on the link in the show notes and um, and have a little bit of a look. There's a youtube video and stuff in there, too. Mm-hmm. Right, do you want to take us to November's new car registration figures, please? Yes, new car registration figures in the UK were up 1.7% on November 2020. That's that, that massive November it was. November, yeah, when everyone was, when we were all pretty much on the, just been locked down with the promise that possibly would be released for Christmas, but then weren't really. It's great that it's up 1.7% against November last year, but it's down 31.3% on the pre-pandemic five-year average. And of course, the real root of this is the semiconductor shortages, which just mean there isn't any supply. Yep. All the same, there were 115,706 new cars registered in the UK in the month of November. Uh, one thing that's worth mentioning is that vehicles, what you plug in, represented 28.1% of the market in November. Now, there is a caveat. It was a Tesla month. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Tesla did their quarter-end wave, uh, released all the vehicles which basically hadn't been registered for the last three months. Yep. All right, so do remember that. I remember that in the context of that 1.7% rise as well, because I'm sure that there was there was an effect uh, from that mm -hmm. uh, from from that on there. Year on year, diesel down 62%, but a lot of that, remember, is uh, petrol down 10%. Remember, quite a lot of that is because it goes into mild hybrids, which are up 4%, but the BEVs, FEVs, and HEVs are all up 67%. Point four percent. Yeah, private 
purchases are up 41.7%, fleet down 24%, business up 11%. So big buyers don't seem to be being able to register cars, possibly because possibly because they just can't get the ones that they want, really. Mm. Yep. That's and what I'm are, guessing. Are holding off on that, yeah. Top 10s. Mm. Again, it depends on your ver- your level of vertical integration, how well you do, you'll do, you'll do how many vehicles you've actually got to register. Uh, the numbers are all pretty low. Uh, it starts in at number 10 with the Volvo XC40 at 2,081. Number nine, Volkswagen T-Roc, which is, which one's that? That's the golfy size one? Yeah, it's not, it's not the smallest one. No, the next one up. No, and it's not the Tiguan, so it's the one in between. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of between a Polo and a Golf. Yeah, the Tolivid is the smallest one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. And number eight, the Mercedes-Benz A-Class. And number seven is the Nissan Qashqai. Uh, number six is the MG ZS. Well Ooh, done, MG. Well done, Small yeah. round of applause there. And number five is the Ford Focus. Oh, a vehicle that you would normally expect to see here. Uh, number four is the Hyundai Tucson with 2,988. Number three is three months worth of Tesla Model 3 at 3,077. <laughs> number two is the Vauxhall Corsa. Shock horror, it's not number one. Three, I know, with 3,123. And number one is the Mini Wow, with 3,551. Well done, Mini. Yes, excellent. That's quite nice, actually, to have a Mini at the top. There's a wonder there hasn't been a press release telling us how long it's been since the Mini was number one on the bestsellers list. Oh, they've missed a trick. Best registered is as list. Okay, we'll give them that one for free. Yes, yeah. yes, quite. This month, the Spreadsheet of Doom is Do you is want to do year-to-date before we do that? Wonderfully, wonderfully gloomy. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted me to do year-to-date. That's because I think it's interesting. It's uh, number ten is the three series. Number nine is the Puma, Ford Puma, obviously. Number eight is the Ford Festa. Uh, number seven is the Mini, and number six is the Kia Sportage. Number five is the Nissan Qashqai. Four is the Volkswagen Golf. Three is the Volkswagen Polo. Two is the A Class, and number one is the Vauxhall Corsa. Mm. 38,306. Now, it is worth mentioning that that is, what, uh, just under 12,000 more than... No, pardon me, just over 11,000 more than the Ford Fiesta. So that's normally as much as the Fiesta would be ahead of the course in previous years. The numbers for all are very, very low. Okay, there's very low. There's more models that say the registrations are spread across. It, it's just not really comparable year to year, directly comparable year to year. No, true. And that's just an observation generally. All the numbers for all the individual models go down because there are more and more different models. Yes. It starts to make the bestsellers list a bit silly, it should, and, and far less relevant when maybe by mark is is a more, would, would start to be more interesting and more relevant. It would be, yeah, one day we'll, we'll, maybe at the end of next month, we will actually put things into into order in the year-to-date okay. figures in here. Let's go to the spreadsheet of Doom now, uh, and I'll take mm. us to the Doomy ones first, just to re, sort of re-emphasize what you were saying there in the uh, year-to-date 
top tens, but Ford is down 50%. Mm-hmm. In Last year, they registered 10,569, and this year it's 5,247. Jaguar are down uh, 32%, Jeep are down 48%, Land Rover down 37%, Lexus down 29%. Then we get to Porsche, who are down 19%, Seat down 26%, Skoda are down 30%, so that is 4,391 in 2020 to 3,091 in 2021. In most cases, the year to date are not quite as grim as that's just sounded, by the way. It's quite the, the ones that are down are unusual, mm. generally. Well, do you want to cheer us up then? Yeah, I'll start at the top. Alpine, benefiting from the fact they only registered nine vehicles in November 2020, are up 188%. Bentley are up 143%. Yeah, it's the low volumes. Uh, Citroen up 16%, though. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Cupra, again, low volumes, up uh, 1,400%. Congratulations to them for the most ridiculous figure, though. (laughs) Yes, it is. Up 1,425.45%. Dacia up 42, DS up 49%, Fiat up 36, Hyundai up 192%, Kia up 72, Maserati up 75, Mazda up 29, MG up 383, that's pretty low for MG really, Mini up 18, Polestar up 289%. Mm-hmm. Smart up 105, Sangyong up 225, Subaru up 217, Suzuki up almost 18, Toyota up bang on 29.5, and other imports, of course, up 187.45% because of the Tesla month. Yep. Everything else was either slightly up or slightly down outside of that. So, as per usual. Yeah, nothing was particularly horrible apart from that Ford number. Yeah. Ford, by the way, year to date, down 21% which is pretty much the biggest drop. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, other than Mitsubishi. Who don't exist now, so that doesn't matter. Who don't exist. Breno, worse so far, down 32%. Mm. There we go. Yeah. Anyway, some grim news about, well, an outcome of the great cycling boom of 2020, really. Yeah, and it's the news thanks to the Department of Transport revealing details of injuries and deaths on our roads. And this is looking specifically at rural roads, and cyclist deaths have taken a unfortunately sharp jump upwards, where 89 people have lost their lives on the roads in the last year, whereas in 2019 there were 60 fatalities. Uh, I think we can sort of surmise that part of the reason for this is due to, as Alan said, the boom in people cycling. There will also be the number of people who weren't driving for long periods of times and then were Mm -hmm. suddenly behind the wheel again, which we all know did take adjusting and you did have to get yourself road sharp again. Mm-hmm. Then that's people who enjoy and like driving. So this is not so. And how many people are those? But also, I think it's just unfortunate that that this has happened like this. I, I I really think it's just a lot to do with people being out more generally, whether it's in the car or on the cycle or cycling. Mm-hmm. There was actually five thousand one hundred and fifteen fatalities on rural roads between twenty eighteen and twenty twenty, which includes people like pedestrians, horse riders, 
other people in cars, other vehicles and stuff like that. Whilst 89 doesn't sound a lot, the jump was nearly 50%, which is frankly not acceptable. But uh, like on Sunday, I saw it myself. There was an impatient driver who was two cars behind the cyclist going over a blind hump bridge, and they Mm. decided they would overtake both the car and the bicycle as somebody started to come over the other side. And fortunately, no one got hurt and everyone avoided a problem. But it was like, all you had to do was wait 20 yards and you could see whether you could go and you couldn't be bothered doing that. And it's... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of that kind of stuff. The other one is, is what is a particular bugbear of mine, is cyclists who insist on wearing all black. Yes, we do have a problem with that locally. Give everyone a chance. I know it's a sort of cool cycling team kit, but going to wear something that's just a bit more brightly coloured, please. Yeah, Every, everybody needs to up their game here. It's not mm. us having a particular go at cyclists. And I'm not having a dig at cyclists. Or at drivers. It's everybody needs to improve and everybody needs to give mm. each other some room and uh, appreciate what we're trying to do on the roads. Sorry, that's just a bugbear of mine because I do, when I'm cycling, try and make sure I am at least vaguely visible. Well, we have a lot in our town that don't even bother having lights, so that's helpful. Yeah, uh, you get that around here too. To the other end of the cycling spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you want to take us to some other government figures? Yes. Almost one in 50 vehicles on the road in the UK is untaxed, according to new government figures. About 1.9% of vehicles on the road are unlicensed. In theory, that costs the Department for Transport about £119 million per year in revenue uh the reason this is vaguely newsworthy is that that is quite an increase on the 1.6 percent that were recorded the last time the survey took place yep Uh, and that's really it i mean the thing is it's still seen that the abolition of the paper tax disc is seen as a key factor in the increase in untaxed cars and i can completely understand that it is really very easy to forget when your car needs tax now because you have no visible reminder and the other thing is it's much harder for people to tell if your car's on tax outside because of course they don't have a disc they can look at it depends though doesn't it, it depends if you do it online via direct debit you do get reminders from from them now they didn't initially when they first started the system and that no, caught a lot of they people have improved out. it they did but they but a- any near here no, no, nowhere near here. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. No one, no one that we know, uh, particularly no. closely speaking into a microphone right now, had a really stressful morning when he found a clamp on his vehicle. <laughs> no. Not at that all. That would have been unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no. In all seriousness, it would, be, and that was again purely. It was. It's just whenever they got rid of the tax disc, there's no way to remind you. They are much better now. I mean, I got an, a reminder about the MOT for a car through today. So, I mean, again, that's something I didn't do before. But you do have to sort of actively say, "Please remind me when this is due." Yeah, yeah. uh, when you're doing it, doing it online. I think pretty much everyone does it online these days. Department for Transport are also saying that part of the reason, as well, for the increase is that uh, due to COVID, there's been limited enforcement, um, but also they suspect that people are struggling to be able to afford the VED license Mm. that they have for their particular cars. And that would, you know, tie in with the cost of fuel at the moment, which is, mm-hmm. I had a cry after I filled up the Saab today. <laughs> that was I just, just 
tried tried not to, and, and I was filling up the Mercedes in France. Yeah. Do 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 do. Ooh, that's many euros. <laughs> let's pretend. Let's pretend it's not almost parity, shall we? Yes. Yeah. It's obviously a big hole because the government needs as much money as it can get back at the minute, thanks to the way that it has funded certain aspects of the uh, relief efforts of COVID, etc. I would imagine this will become a priority when someone's saying there's like 120 million quid not being gathered. That might focus people's minds internally of the departments that, right, mm. this is quite a priority now because they, well. they will have to be seen when they go cap in hand to internally, when they go to see uh, Rishi and say, can we have more cash? Well, are you doing everything to get what you should be getting anyway? Yeah, but they, they have crackdowns on these, but it costs X amount in the first year. And the returns are massive. And then they go, yeah, but it's costing us $2 million, so we've got to get rid of that $2 million in spending, despite the fact that it might well bring in $10 million in revenue. Mm. There is a certain amount of that goes on within government. Um, yeah, yeah. As, as I'm sure that you're as aware as I am that that kind of thing does happen. It's not just stories. Yep. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, with some of this lack of 191 million pounds they are still giving giving some money to help support ev companies aren't they that's true uh, down in bristol they are trying to court rivian and get them to build their new factory in the uk quite uh, on a uh, industrial uh, site there to the point where they are or to the efforts of their incentives are offering them a brand new motorway junction to make it easier to get in and out the factory, mm-hmm. reinstating a disused railway line and developing training facilities nearby. The, the hope is that Rivian bite on all this and invest in the region of a billion quid in putting their new factory there. But we're up against Serbia, yep. uh, which Serbia has the EU side of things to offer it as well, doesn't it? It probably does. It's also got a certain amount of skills there in that it, there's, you know, JLR mm-hmm. build a new defender there. Yeah. And supposedly another European country. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if it comes off. I mean, it'd be great for Bristol. It'd be great for down there. Uh, it'd be great for Britain because we're going to have a hopefully prominent EV producer, even though it's, this is vans and light goods at the moment, but it's a mm. prominent EV producer. <sighs> Fingers crossed. My one thing is it's Bristol, so it's flipping miles away from anyone else who has skills in that sort of area. I mean, sure, they're saying it's an it's only an hour from Swindon, but an hour each way onto someone's day when they've probably already found another job is, uh, you know, after the closure of the Honda factory. Sorry, mm-hmm. let me finish that thought. Um, <laughs> but they... Yeah, but they'll have, they'll have moved on by now because people, oh, that's, that's shut in July, yeah, isn't it? July. By the time and, this and the, opens... So that's irrelevant. So what? what why... Why is it in Bristol? Well, it's Why close to the it? port. Mm, the port is true. very important. I mean, it's, it, you you drive down there and you go over the bridge going further into the southwest into Somerset and Devon. It's normally a car park down on that port, but obviously isn't at the minute. I'm not nearly posh enough to take my holidays down in the southwest, you see. Um, so so the last time I was there was was when we were charging around Britain, and, and, and frankly, I can't remember because it was too stressful at that particular point. I think you were point. driving, so yeah, I, I did all the looking. Oh, you're looking at, oh, inside your eyelids as usual, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Right, do you want to take us to Germany? Yes, actually, I do. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about Herbert Dice and the fact that he is reported to be continuing as CEO of Volkswagen Group. So there was a major... um, There were some significant negotiations going on and some debate as to whether or not uh, her Dr. Dice would continue to be Volkswagen CEO. It seems that he will remain. However, the boss of the Volkswagen brand, as opposed to the Volkswagen group, uh, Ralph Brandstatter, will take on uh, extra duties as part of this. It's all still a little bit wishy-washy uh it's not very firm story no and and i think that that will we'll probably hear more over the next week to actually explain exactly what has been agreed here yeah because it it all kicked off when he uh, it wasn't gleefully but he very loudly proclaimed there was going to be a lot of job losses in germany uh, over electrification remember that german unions are incredibly strong yes and on the board and on the board as well. Uh, so they have a lot of say in organizations, much to the grumbliness of some of the other, in my experience, some of the other employees. So if somebody says you are going to be losing jobs, then the unions will kick up a fuss, especially in an organization like Volkswagen. Reorganizations in Germany are fraught with HR challenges, I think is a fair way of putting it. Yes, I, I, it's it's the example I use for why you for uh, in day job as to as to to why there are some reasons why you don't necessarily talk about jobs in processes. Mm-hmm. There you go. That was a bit too much information, folks. <laughs> uh, he's going to continue though leading the strategy, which worries me most. Uh, well, it wasn't for me. It's not his moves for electrification because even though this article does discuss that, oh, Volkswagen, like others, have been forced into electrification and future investment. No, Volkswagen were forced into it, not like everyone else, because that's part of their agreement and stuff that they have to do in America, so therefore they have to do it everywhere. There is a fairly valid argument that everyone else was forced into it by Volkswagen. Exactly. Certainly, I agree with that. Um, but it, for me, it's the way he has gone about pushing their software and now has started uh, harping on about autonomous vehicles, it, it, which that worries me because the the way he's done it, he's not really understood either of them. And he's made really extravagant claims that have not been I, met. I, I think he's had I think he's had a number too many conversations with his his good his, with his good friend from North America. Well, yes, his AV predictions are very much in that ilk. <laughs> <laughs> but fingers crossed for them because obviously we need we need Volkswagen to be successful because we need all all the manufacturers out there. But you know they're tying up with other brands, so this this is not an easy change. This is not an easy shift. If you've got two of the biggest car manufacturers in the world going, we need to be friends right now. Yes, yeah, and you're starting to move into the fact that Ford is joining. The hint there, I guess, is that Ford is joining the Volkswagen Group carbon yep. uh, dioxide pool. Uh, certainly in the UK, anyway. It's, it's them. It's SAIC, which is MG, and so there are sort of question 
Mark some thoughts about whether or not Ford will join the European pool for Volkswagen. Although I, I do see quite a few Marquis on the road, by the way. Mustang yeah, Marquis. Um, I think I've seen... No, we haven't seen, seen any about. local to us. But our local Ford dealer is no longer a Ford-specific anymore. Oh, right. Okay, gosh, that's unusual. That's been bought mm-hmm. and they're sort of more of second-hand will do everybody... Oh, right. Okay. Fair enough. So, um, but no, it's quite interesting that Ford is joining up with Volkswagen. Of course, there are other companies have pools groups before, uh, have pool groups as well. So JLR and Honda uh, are in with Tesla as well. It sort of depends. I don't know. It's, it's quite a good flavor. If you can think of too many EV models, then if it's a company that doesn't really have many, you can imagine that they'll be part of someone else's pool. Ford mm. and Volkswagen, quite interesting because they are both trying to push towards EV. Ford a little bit more slowly than Volkswagen, obviously, but Volkswagen expanding that range and very publicly have a plan to expand that range. I'm not so sure about Ford, to be honest. Other, well, I suppose uh, mostly in commercial vehicle world, really. So yeah. e-transits, e-transit connects, um, and as opposed to Really, just the Mustang Mach-E is electric. I think it's the I only guess, fully electric. plug-in hybrids. Yeah, a few, quite a few plug-in hybrids with a mm. plug-in hybrid range include increasing as well. So, yeah, we shall see. But they don't have that's the that's their only dedicated model. Yeah. Model, whereas the others they're crowbarring it into existing platforms. So I think it's from the next generation. The next generation onwards, obviously, is what we'll see. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the end of the first part. It's slightly shorter than the marathon last week. <laughs> yeah, last week, last week, as we got to the end of the first part, it was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> but not the listeners, obviously. They loved every second of it. No, obviously. they loved every second. It, it sounded, when I, I did actually listen to it back in the car, and it didn't sound quite as much of a marathon as it felt when we recorded <laughs> it last Tuesday morning. Yeah. Anyway, this brings us to Guilt Minute, a quick break in the show. We're asked for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on, the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth some more consideration every month, then you can become a patron. And thank you, by the way, to new patrons. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded alive. We also have a small range of merchandise, perfect for Christmas presents, everyone. Available from our website and spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. Plug, plug, plug. No, no plugs. If you don't... No plugs. Uh, no, it's a wonder, isn't it? Uh, if you don't have any spare cash, and we do completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and many of you do, so thank you very, very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you. Right, I'm going to take us to breaking WRC news, breaking as in today as we record this, and that is... Yes, the surprising and probably shocking news that uh, Andrea Adamo has left with immediate effect the Hyundai WRC team. Scott Noah, who is the Hyundai president, will take over as the interim as they try to get themselves ready for Monte Carlo. Mm, That's been really hampered because uh, Thierry Neuville had a massive, huge crash the back end of last week uh, when they're testing in France. Fortunately, everybody's okay, which is the main thing, but that will have dented them their their efforts 
uh, hugely. We don't know the reason for why he's gone because the only reasons we've been told is, quote, personal reasons. <laughs> I think in the next week or two we'll find out what it is, but the mm. the questions were beginning to be asked quite loudly, were Hyundai going to make Monte Carlo anyway before the accident? I just don't think this helps them at all. They do seem to be a bit have been a bit on the back foot getting ready. When you look at how how ahead Toyota and well M Sport seem to have been ahead of everybody, to be honest, uh, testing the new stuff um, they had they've yep. got in the Puma. But I mean, he's obviously going to be massively missed in WRC because he mm. was a great character. L- like I've said previously, I wouldn't want to be in the team if I've screwed up. <laughs> but equally, if you do well, he will tell you that he really comes across as one of those those bosses. So mm-hmm. it's a shame. Um, fingers crossed for Hyundai that they get ready because we we obviously want as many people many cars as possible at the start grid. But uh, yeah. w- when we hear more, we will obviously update you all on that. Which brings us to nearly not quite new new car news. Well, it is um, it is new. It is new. So it's actually we've, we've, well, we've it, covered Suzuki and said they're one. new. <laughs> yeah. So it's an interesting one, this. Um, and I think it's worth a couple of minutes discussion because it was hitting the Twitters this morning with many sort of vaguely bad jokes. There is a new model being launched by Mazda, and it is called the Mazda 2 Hybrid. And the reason I point out that it's called the Mazda 2 Hybrid is that it will be sold alongside the existing Mazda 2. The existing Mazda 2 is a Mazda 2. The new Mazda 2 Hybrid is really much more of a Toyota Yaris. <laughs> yes, very much. It's a kind of strange one here. So Mazda are going to be sent, selling a rebadged Yaris. There is a slight symmetry to this because previously, Toyota in North America sold a rebadged Mazda 2 as a Yaris. And ladies and gentlemen... That is our cue for us all to raise our glasses and drink because Alan is talking about Cheers. both Mazda and Toyota and he has gone back in time to tell us histories. Well, yes, it's, impo- no, it's important to understand. No, no, no. Because I, people, okay, everybody else goes, Ooh. Yes, it is, it is interesting to hear that there has been, uh, hmm. there is a history together of these companies. They have worked together like this previously. Exactly. It just seems slightly unusual. That's the main point of it. But I, I don't think it is. I think we're going to see more of this because and, yeah. there are companies that just do not have the cash. They do not. They are not far enough along with their R and D to be able to cope with the the CO two requirements. So they're going to need. We're going to have a lot of rebadging, which I think we'll see for possibly up to five years, and then people will catch up. Yeah, as I said, the unusual thing about this is it is being sold alongside mild hybrid versions of the Mazda two as well as the CX-30 and CX-5. It's strange that it's something so hybrid, um, if you know what I mean, as in uh, uh, rather than just a mild hybrid. There are worse, there are also far, far worse cars out there that you can badge share with than the current, the new Yaris. Mm. It fits quite well with this whole Mazda ethos of being decent to drive and all these kind of things. So, yeah, uh, great stuff. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. We'll see how popular it is. And obviously the Mazda 2, by the way, follows on from the 121 and stuff, which previously has been a rebadged Fiesta. Again, for that particular model lineage, uh, it's not a massive surprise. It's not a massive surprise. It's not particularly unusual. But let's just see how many we see on the road. This could become a real festival of the unexceptional 
special uh, at some point in the future. <laughs> well, right. it'll be the really unusual one that nobody bought. Okay, possibly. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Good luck to them. Hope they do because it's quite a good car. Yeah. Right. I'm going to take us to Suzuki, and they have revealed the 2022 SX4 S Cross, which will be priced from twenty four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine pounds. Now they have really, basically redone the S Cross. This must be a new. This must be a new car because I mean the S Cross in its, its the history has always been a pretty awkward awkward slightly ugly thing either shared with a with with a, with a fiat in the first generation and the second generation had that ugly chromey grill which looked like it had been cut, come straight from the u.s as some sort of weird old oldsmobile or something yes the the looks of the s-cross i think held it back significantly i would like to say in its defense that it is really quite a handsome thing now Yes, it definitely is. I think, I think this fits good. in. This this will fit in uh, British and European roads much more. It's a, it's a much more European looking vehicle. Hmm. Added to that, they have thrown a lot more bells and whistles, and the quality internally is upped as well as the space because the vehicle is slightly bigger as well. Hmm. I think this for Suzuki should do cracking. One thing that does concern me though is that they are using the same 1.4-litre petrol engine with a mild hybrid system that, okay, it's uprated, but it's the one, the same one in the Ignis and the Swift. That doesn't surprise me. Oh, I'm not too... I mean, it seems a little bit... Eh. 127 brake horsepower, it seems... I don't know. I've just driven... Yeah, I don't know. It depends how the, that's delivered. That's, that's yeah. the challenge there, really, is how talky is it? Does it have any holes in the delivery? Yeah. I mean, pre the the recent Suzukis we've tried here, they've always been this peppy little keen thing. I don't want them to lose that because I think that's a very Suzuki feel mm. when you're behind the wheel, and I don't want them to lose that. Uh, I'll be interested to have a look at this close up because it it does seem with more space and stuff like that. I think it's just going to fit nicely onto our roads now. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it's a much more attractive looking proposition for people. Yeah, curious one. It's available with four-wheel drive as well as just front-wheel drive, as well as uh, as well as manual and automatic as well. So I imagine that those people who live in big conurbations won't really see very many of those, but people in the more outlying regions of the country probably will. But that's more where the Suzuki garages are anyway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh, Kia Sportage mm. is next. And wow, there's a new generation coming. It'll go on sale on the 15th of December. It will start from about the same price as the Suzuki, or slightly between the two Suzuki models. Uh, at 26745 there will be, I see them described here as pure combustion, which makes me chuckle a little bit. <laughs> Of, you know, internal combustion engines and electrified powertrains as well. whole bunch of different uh, different options there, up to eight, uh, I believe. Yeah, it goes, it goes through, the, through the gambit of them all, all the way up to uh, top of the range is a plug-in hybrid. Yes, absolutely that. Um, plug-in hybrid in, in GT line. And wow, does it have... Does it have quite the front on it? It is one of those fronts where the sort of grill has swallowed the headlamps. I like it. 
but I really like it. That was the next thing I was going to say. It has a little bit sort of, I don't know, Stormtrooper type look, very, very distinctive light signature. Nothing else it looks like that. No, I really don't. No, no, you can't, could, could not mistake it, certainly from the front, for anything else on the road. I think it's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to seeing these in real life. This is an interesting, interesting car. It's a mega important model for Kia. Oh, it is. You see Sportage everywhere over the last few years. It really is significant here and across the rest of Europe as well. By the way, that's called the Tiger Grill at the front. Um, I like it. I love the green they're they're showing in a lot of the pictures as well. I really, really hope that that's quite widely available and not just a launch color and then forgotten forever. I really hope people buy that. I I am sure your demand the other week about, um, or congratulations to the press uh, group that selected interesting BMW BMW colors. I am sure that the Kia team will be picking Mm. the very interesting colors and not just going for white and black i do hope i do hope so it is it is really really funky um yeah i like it it is and you know europe is important enough for these vehicles that this is a european specific model this isn't the this is slightly different from the north american and obviously different from asian uh sportages as well so mm. let's just see yeah it'd be interesting it'd be interesting to try that out because uh that i mean that with the tucson and the three double o eight there's some mm-hmm. really seriously decent looking cars in that bracket, let alone they're actually quite good as well yeah well that's it that's it it's 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 actually everybody goes ooh, not an s u v but in actual fact there are some there are some pretty for what it's what it's being asked to or yeah. is designed to do i think we we are I think spoils not quite the right word, but I we're say doing we're well as consumers. Yeah. We're doing well. It's it's actually become quite an interesting segment. Sure mm. enough, the SUV segment's smaller than that, so any BSUV and stuff is still a bit is a st- still a bit oh oh dear. Yeah, it's a bit awkward. Some of the it's, designs, it's, yeah. Uh, and once you get larger, then things move towards the luxury zone. Yeah, this is this is quite a very very key. It's a very very key segment for Europe in general. Mm. Yep. Speaking of that, sorry, can I just quickly do a, a quick aside there? Because it doesn't fit anywhere that we're about to go. Mm-hmm. I just want to say how weird it was seeing MG dealers in France. <laughs> that seems to be the next the next one where they're, they're, they're pushed out into. But coming up past Riemann, I saw a couple of MG dealers. And there's just some sort of weird dissonance in my head. Where there's a dealership that is Citroen and MG. There wow. we go. That was all I wanted to say. That yeah, the one at the one at Rance that you can see off the off the auto route. Um, uh, just about just between the payages. Be interesting to see how many people in France go for an MG. I know, I know. Well, that's it. But they were, but in like in towns in in so some of the bigger in paris and stuff then they actually saw quite a few rovers and things and minis certainly mm-hmm. yeah which just seems okay. always seems weird to me <laughs> i don't know <laughs> right i'm going to take us to the lunchtime read and this is from haggerty and it is about the youtubers making classic motoring fun for all and this is if you have a more classical motoring bent to your viewing pleasures on YouTube or when you do, they give three options of three 
really brilliant channels and brilliant it, it doesn't people. doesn't have to be classic i think that, that that limits it a bit but just not new cars i think yes is what you need to, is, is is the really the, the the key guide here yeah and so we have a friend of the show hubnut ian seabrook there's also steph holloway and matt richardson they were all together on the same stand, weren't they, Alan? They absolutely were. I'm just going to I'm just going to show off my signed Hubnut calendar, which is brilliant for all our listeners. Yes, it's great. That's <laughs> the wonders of being an audio format. <laughs> See, this is why you need to become patrons. I did. I did pay for the calendar, by the way, <laughs> because I support creators whose whose work I really enjoy. Yes, so they were all on the same stand. Uh, they'd taken a stand at the classic motor sh- at the NEC Classic Motor Show, and uh, Ian, Matt, uh, and Steph were, were all there, and they were mobbed all of the Saturday that I was there. It took me four visits before I got a chance to actually have a quick chat to Ian and say hi to the to the others. Well, I said <laughs> hi to Matt because by half past two in the afternoon, Steph had finally had a chance to go grab some lunch. <laughs> <laughs> they were so busy and so many people saying hello to them and buying mer- buying sweet, sweet merch, uh, Bill and myself, uh, and stuff. Brilliant. Really, really good. They're nice people. They work bleeding hard yep. to do what they do. And I am full of admiration for all three of them. I really like this this article, and uh, I know we're, we're telling you to read it and stuff, but the the way that it's appreciated that, this is the sort of stuff that wouldn't get through on telly. No. Yet there is clearly a large audience that really, really enjoys it. That is one of the great things about YouTube and podcasts and stuff like that, is we still have this ability to go down things that aren't necessarily mainstream, uh, commercially as viable enough if you're a huge media organization, but is yeah. possible if you are a smaller independent. I am going to repeat something as I have said many, many times. I would rather watch 20 minutes of Ian filming his armpit and being enthusiastic about something that which he fans. loves and cares about. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting mixed up again. Um, <laughs> Just use a different browser. There's a top yeah, tip for Yeah, you. that's the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> private, pri- private mode. Um, so, that's, uh, so, yeah, I would rather watch Ian fiddle... I'm trying to find something which isn't a double entendre and I'm failing miserably. Uh, but, but playing with a day in Matiz, I don't think that, that that's rude. Um, playing with a fettling, fettling is Matiz, uh, than, than, I, than I would yet another golden hour multimillionaire warbling about the his Alfa Romeo collection. Yeah. And it's always his, by the way. Alfa Romeo collection on on YouTube. Uh, it's just, or you know, Steph talking about a Bedford Bambi tiny little camper van and stuff. Uh, you know, it just and it and, and, it, that, and it, it runs all the way down to Connor's back on Twitter showing his fettling uh, as well. It. Yes, I, I, um, I enjoy and how popular that is. You know, it's it's it, there is. Uh, Obviously, a market out there for very real people doing very real stuff that we can all appreciate. We will not be doing it. No. Well, depends on how much somebody wants to pay for me to get really angry and be rubbish at mechanizing. Yeah. 
Somebody, some, somebody, somebody's angry, has no shelter and no tools. And sorry, I actually enjoy doing it too much to, to film it. It is one of my yeah. ways of relaxing. That and cooking are my ways of, of relaxing because I'm not in front of a computer. Yeah. So anyway, do click through on the show notes. I know yes. we talked a long time about this because it is a really, really lovely written article by Anthony Ingram. Well done there, Anthony. Uh, and they are three three options you've got and there are plenty more but there's three brilliant options to if you're looking for something that isn't just about as alan says isn't just somebody's multi-million pound collection or isn't just the latest new stuff uh, it's really enjoyable really mm. enjoyable absolutely is brilliant that takes us to a list of the week then and list of the week is on all talk digital and it's by Stuart longhurst now like me, you probably always forget Stuart's name because you see him on Twitter as Sports and GT. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you will know his Twitter handle. You will know him from there. I have met him in person, and it's sort of one of those who. Oh yes, you guy. Yes, sorry. Whoops. It's incredibly tall. He is very very tall. <laughs> uh, and what he's got is his twelve gifts gifts of petrolhead Christmas. Yes, twelve possible christmas presents for people yep uh and yeah final choice there lots of cool stuff do go have a look if you are looking for it if you are looking for inspiration for someone to give you or indeed to give to someone to give to someone else yeah there's yeah mm, lots of good stuff there yeah real nice wide range of stuff as well yep andrew Mm, i will take us to the and finally and M Sport, going back to rallying again, but mm. M Sport's released a video today called uh, Pandemonium. And this is where they've got a Mark I Panda 4x4, and they've ever so slightly fettled it and then shown us the results of that little bit of fettling. And it's actually a really enjoyable video along with it as well. It's been really well produced. Oh, what a thing. Yes, please. Gosh. I need to go up to M Sport and visit them. <laughs> it's it th- this has been getting all of the all of the the mutterings on on Twitter today. I haven't had a chance to see the video. I've just seen some of the pictures. It looks fantastic. It Ultimate is. Panda four wheel drive rally car. Yep. It's just nuts. Ace. Absolutely yes. ace. One last thing. We know that that was the and finally. We've actually got an and and finally because we should have included it last week. And it's just worth mentioning that now that it is December, and then we are one week into John Mayle's Auto Advent 21. So there's a, a hashtag Auto Advent 21, all is one word, that goes along with it. And it's his annual competition for the geekiest of automotive geeks to be able to come up with, um, to recognize vehicles work out what connects their names and dm the the guesses and answers to him there is a simpler version as well uh which is the auto advent light which accompanies it for those you say simpler quite that bad yeah i know i haven't got any of them yet it's only what he calls it i mean the rest of us relative i am am awful at these (laughs) god relatively speaking it is it is it is more simple uh actually speaking it's it's not really I think he, he must spend the whole flipping year thinking of these things. But it's brilliant that he does it and, and to keep it's it going cool. for 
for all this time is is just amazing. So do uh, we've got a, a link in the show note to John's own Twitter account, but I'll also have a link in there for the Auto Advent Twenty One hashtag that you can mm-hmm. just click through to. Yep. Do you want to, uh, do you want to stick one in for the Auto Advent Light as well? And I'll put one in for the Light as well. Yes. And thank you, John, for doing this and keeping yep. us entertained. And yep. I enjoy seeing the tweeted squeals of people that I know should know these things, whether they they have been thwarted. I just always assume Nia does know them. Because yes, that's yeah. Nia, really. But now, now and again, he doesn't, and you can you can see the frustration that he doesn't oh, yeah. know it. He'll be having a little stampy feety. <laughs> his desk, stamping his feet. Oh, you get that. That's so unnear like it. It's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> right, right. You'll be hearing from his lawyers. <laughs> yes, before we offend all of our listeners, uh, let's move. All of our listener. Um, one last thing. Nia and I were on Zoom Zoomers uh, last night. Uh, well, not last night, Monday night it would have been by the time you receive this. So, so yes, that's out there. Lots of discussion about Formula One in Jeddah. Lots of, I say discussion, I also mean analysis from people who actually know what they're talking about, which is lovely. Uh, Craig in LA are always fantastic about that. Craig looked fantastic, by the way. I have Craig, seen a yes. bit of it. He was superb. I am waiting for him to um, dress up. If you if it if Zoom Zoomers falls on Pirate International Pirate Day, Pirate, yes, or yeah, uh, he's, <laughs> yes, yes. I don't even want to think how bad that would be. If you'd hit him in side brows, uh, then then that would be quite bad. Uh, I was, however, wearing a Christmas jumper. My only not that you can really jumper. see it. <laughs> no, it's not. There's some microphone in the way, etc. Anyway, so that was last. That was we recorded that last night. That was a lot of fun. So uh, that was awesome. And I think that that's us waffled for far too much tonight. Anything else I've missed, Andrew? I don't possibly know how I could have done. Uh, there might be a special edition out this Friday. Okay, cool. Uh, and then we're starting to store up special editions for to sort of fill in the gap uh, over the Christmas break. Yeah, we will be. There will be no live shows over Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, as per normal, but we will be recording a bunch of special editions to yeah. uh, to just, go over that time. To, to, to basically keep the algorithms happy. Well, it's also if people need to escape the families. Well, yes, there is that. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is the secondary purpose. Yeah. Anyway, folks, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, please remember you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know more about how you nearly cried at a French petrol station, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Oh, it wasn't so bad. I really, I nearly cried in the lay-by over the summer. <laughs> that was far worse. Uh, but the best way to get in touch with me is to use Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. I got too excited again. Uh, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. and safe motoring what happens is on my screen there's another line in between which is about getting in touch with andrew search for cracked windscreen on twitter for use when he's not here and then i sort of get distracted by that all i'm hearing is excuses that that, those are that those are my excuses and i'm sticking to them